0: and hold it over our faces, he runs to us, and we certainly thank God for a loving father. That's been the theme in the songs tonight. He's a good, good father, amen, and he runs to us. What a blessing. Well, praise the Lord. I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be in God's house tonight and to look at the book of Job. Keep your seat, and I'll have you do that tonight because I'm just going to spend some time overviewing this book and giving you some information and we've made it available to you on the screens tonight to be able to give you some background about the book of Job that will help enhance our study through this book. Now, if you're looking at this book as I am, you're going to find out that that Job is a is a rather lengthy book in the Word of God, relatively speaking, and it is the first of the poetic books. So the language in Job is that of... Uh, poetry and prose and and words that will make this a very creative and colorful book in the Word of god there 's imagery and there's there 's all kinds of uh, parallelism and and God says some things that remind us of things to picture in our mind and we 're looking at prologue and epilogue and all these things where one part of the book is introducing it and the other part of the book is ending it and everything in between so we are not going to get in a hurry. We're going to spend our time and take our time through it. I was talking to a pastor just a few moments before we came to church tonight, and he was asking me a question about the book of the Revelation, a Bible question about the meaning of something. And he was saying that I am starting to preach through books of the Bible now, which I did not used to do. This is what he was saying to me, and he was saying, how much I am finding out about books of the Bible that I did not know because I'm preaching through them verse by verse. I made this statement to him that there is so much more depth in expositional preaching and teaching than in topical preaching and teaching. In other words, Job has a number of passages in it that we jump to and deal with isolated and we can't really appreciate those passages if we don't look at the book in its totality. So we're going to go all the way through, and I don't know. It may take us a year or two to do so. But this question that never goes away certainly warrants that time. Here it is. Why do bad things happen to good people? Say it with me. Why do bad things happen to good people? Come on, come on, come on. Let's say it again. Why do... Now, this time, I want you to emphasize those two adjectives, bad and good. Everybody listening? All right, let's ask the question again because those two adjectives really give credence to how significant this question is. Let's try it again. Why do bad things happen to good people? And that's the contrast. We don't have problems answering the question why bad things happen to bad people. And we don't struggle with the logic of why good things happen to good people. We do have difficulty understanding why bad things happen to good people. Now this is a statement that is a question, so I don't want anybody to take this statement literally and go, "Well, Romans chapter three said, "There is none to do it good, there is none righteous, none." Because we know at the core of the matter ain't none of us good. Can I get an amen?" But we are asking the question. Why sometimes, things that are bad? happen to people who are living in a way that they do things that are good? It's the question that Job will ask in some sorts, and it's the lifelong question that we're still asking today. Our Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word that we will look at tonight by way of reference. But more importantly, add thy blessing to the explanation of your word. And Lord, might you make us hungry for this series. And then, Lord, may we dive into it with an expectation that your word has been given by, to us in 2023. I am so glad that the message of Job was not just good then, it's good now. Now, help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I want to, by way of background, ask several questions and then give you some answers From my study, as best as I can, to help you as we dive into the book of Job and seem to answer the question, at least attempt to answer the question, why bad things happen to good people. Here's question number one about the background Who wrote the book of Job? Who wrote the book of Job? That is a question often asked when we dive into a book in the Bible. Who was the human author? There are some that say Job wrote it. That would be the obvious, easy answer. Some speak by way of Elihu, one of his friends that wrote it. And some even think that Moses wrote the book. Let me be very clear. There is no certainty as to the human writer of the book of Job, unlike other books in the Bible that begin with the author saying he was writing Paul, the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, The books that speak in first person where we know that the author was the one about whom the book is titled, there is no certainty in scripture as to who the human writer of Job was. However, it does seem to have been a Jew that was an eyewitness of the events that happened in Job's life and probably not Job himself because... The author writes about the death of Job, and it's logical to think that if he's writing about the death of another individual, that Job was not saying that about himself. Human author unknown, but ultimately, Paul said to Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So pastor, I thought you were going to answer questions tonight. I am. Who wrote the book of Job? The Holy Ghost did, all right? The Holy Spirit of God inspiring some human writer to write the book of Job, and God chose to not reveal it to us. So therefore, it is not important. Question number two, when did Job live? And let me say to you that if you look on the screen tonight, at the bottom of the screen, you're going to see a camera pop up. And if you see that camera pop up, that means that everything on that screen that's going to go up there is there. And if you want to take a picture with your phone, there's nothing else that's going to be added there. So you see that little camera up there? That tells you you can can do that because there are probably way too many sentences for you to write down unless you're a speed writer. And if you are, you should be making a lot of money, and we should see it in the offerings this year, all right? But if you're not, look up there, and if you can go back later and look at those screenshots, you can look at these details And I hope they help you. When did Job live? Many scholars believe that the book of Job is one of the oldest in the Bible. Some believe it's the first book that was actually written in the Bible. Understand, even though Job could have been the first book written in the Bible, it doesn't mean that Job occurred before Genesis. I know this is an intelligent crowd tonight, so I think you can handle this. We do not know when Job lived for sure, but we do know that Job lived after Adam. All right, somebody, don't don't scratch your head. That that was not meant to be uh, something to throw you off or make you say, "Hmm." Job lived after Adam because the first man created was Adam. All right, so we don't know exactly when Job lived, but there are some hints in Scripture to tell us. Perceive that it was perhaps the oldest book in the Bible. We do understand that Job was a real person. This was not a fictitious story that was made up. Ezekiel 4:14 4, through 20, James 5:11. The character, the human character. Job is referred to by the prophet Ezekiel and by the brother of the Lord, James. So we understand that this is not an allegorical story that was told as a parable. This really happened. There are indications that Job lived in ancient time. And these are, these are some helps that will enlighten us as to when Job lived. Listen to these. Job offered sacrifices for himself, for his family, and he did not rely on a priest. Job 1.5, 42, 7, and 8. His wealth was measured in livestock, not in gold. So that indicates that Job lived in a time before the priests were established. So that helps us know that it is somewhere back in the early days. Job probably lived sometime between the flood and the time of Moses. Many scholars place Job in the patriarchal period. That's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. These are the patriarchs, perhaps in the time that Abraham lived. It seems as if he lived before the giving of the law. Since in this book he never talks about the tabernacle, about the temple, about the priests, about the law given to Israel. it sounds like he lives, predated to the law. If Job did live before the law, he could have been right around the time of Abraham, Lot and of Isaac. Notice Job 42:15. Job gave his daughters an inheritance among their brethren, under the law of Moses, when a father were to pass his inheritance. He would only pass it to his sons unless he didn't have sons. So the fact that Job gave something to his daughters, being a righteous man, he would have kept the law, sounds to us like Job lived before the law was given. Everybody following me? Say amen. Now, we know that the law was given when Moses got the law, right? We understand that Moses went up to Mount Sinai, came down with the Ten Commandments. That's when the law was given. So we believe, based on what we see in this book, that Job lived before that time. The longevity of Job also gives us a hint to the period in which he lived. At that time, it was common for people to live a couple centuries. Lifespans gradually decreased. You look, uh, people like Methuselah lived 969 years and and little by little, we saw people lived shorter lifespans more and more. And when lifespans got under a hundred years old after that, these details in this book tell us that Job probably lived more than 200 years old. Why? He lived to marry and become one of the greatest of all men in the East. That takes some time. Can I get an amen? He lived long enough to have 10 children. All right. You can't do that without some sort of lifespan. His children were old enough to have their own homes. After he lost everything, he lived long enough to father 10 more children and amass greater wealth. Details about that in scripture. He lived an additional, and this is all in scripture, 140 years after this, the the scripture says after this, after all of these details that we hear happen, all of his losses, all of his tragedies, he lived 140 years after this. And the scripture tells us, Job 42, that he saw his children and grandchildren to four generations. So it's logical that Job lived more than 200 years and that he lived sometime between the flood and Moses, because after that time, men weren't living that long. So I hope I'm making at least Somewhat of a convincing case as to when Job lived and who wrote the book. God wrote the book through some human author that we don't know. And Job the man lived in a time probably between the flood and Moses. Everybody following me say amen. Now, I'm going to give you 10 lessons tonight and then you go home on what we can learn from Job. Because I want it to stir your appetite. Because I can simply ask the question why bad things happen to good people and immediately your antennas ought to go up. Huh? That? But there are practical lessons in Job that ought to entice your appetite even more because what Job teaches us, we certainly need to learn. Here's lesson number one. God is in control let me say that again. God is in control. No, 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 no. no. I didn't say you didn't know it. I said you need to learn it. And, And listen to me. Let me just say this to you. Biblically, this is a good rule to live by as a believer. The only part of the Bible I believe is the part I behave. Let me say that again. The only part of the Bible I believe is the part I behave. Believe, believe, Belief is only that which moves us to action and anything that we claim to be belief that doesn't move us to action is merely masquerading belief. We don't believe something if it doesn't move up well past it. Not necessarily. Some people believe something, but they really don't act on it. Let me tell you something. If you believe that walking on this platform, you're going to cave in, I guarantee you, you ain't going to walk on this platform. And if you believe that God is in control, you won't be stressing and fretting and complaining and wondering because you know that what you don't know, God knows. And as long as God knows it, you're fine with it because God is in control. Lesson number two, this is a statement that the Lord gave me today in study. And I coined it this way, and I hope that you and I will hone in on it in the book of Job because it's one that will help us spiritually and inform us practically. Here it is. Suffering is not always a consequence of sin, but sometimes a compliment to our service. Let me say it again suffering is not always a consequence of sin but sometimes a compliment to our service now why is Job teaching us this because in the story of Job Job is going to suffer and the instinct of people around him is that he is suffering because of his sin watch this now do you remember this man in John that the Bible tells us was 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 sick from birth he was blind from his birth and the question of the disciples was or other people was who did sin huh? And Jesus said, neither his mother nor his father, but that the works of Christ will be manifest. Listen, here's what the Bible is telling us way back when and still telling us now. We tend to think that when people are going through suffering, it's because of something wrong that they did. Sometimes it is, but sometimes you are not suffering as a consequence of your sin, but you are suffering because of a compliment to your servant. In other words, Job didn't go through suffering because of something he did wrong. Job was marked to suffer because of something he did right and that ought to encourage some of us because Christian people quick to point the finger. If they're going through that, they must be living wrong. If they're facing that, they must be living wrong. Job slays all of those stigmas because if he weren't living right, he wouldn't have suffered. And if he wasn't suffering, he wouldn't have proved God true. And if he didn't prove God true, we wouldn't be reading about it in January 2024. I'm saying to somebody tonight that goes through suffering in 2024, sometimes you need to be still and let God be God because sometimes your suffering is not him giving you a consequence to your sin, but giving you a complicate, compliment to your service and reminding you I let the devil mess with you because you love me and I am gonna prove to the devil that you love me enough to keep serving me even when he messes with you like you did when he didn't amen number three Satan is under God's authority no 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 that was that was terrible that was a terrible response to such a wonderful truth let me say it again Satan is under God's authority now, when you say, Pastor, why should I say amen to that? Because you ought to be glad that the, the story of Job teaches us the devil can't do nothing to you unless God says that he allows it. Should, the, the devil has to ask permission from God to mess with you. Come on, somebody say amen. He's a roaring lion walking about seeking he made, whom he may devour, but he cannot do anything to you unless God gives approval. Can I get an amen? amen? We learned that in Job chapter 1 and 2. Number four, friends may fail us, but God will not. Let me say that again. Friends may fail us, but God will not. We're going to find in the story of Job that his three closest friends are going to emerge with a depth of wisdom that they think they have that is nothing more than a bunch of foolishness. And they're going to give him all the reasons why he's going through something and all the advice why he's going through something. And I'm not saying that they're bad people. I'm just saying you're going to have to learn in life that some of the people that you love the most will let you down the most. But God will never let you down. Number five, even in silence, God is present. Chapter 23, Job goes on a quest to find God and can't. But he discovered in Job 23, even when I can't find him, he's still there. Come on. Anybody ever been looking for him? I said, anybody ever been looking for him? Anybody ever put an APB out on God? Could I tell you something? When it is unsuccessful, just remember, just because you can't find him doesn't mean he's not there. Number six, wisdom comes from fearing God and turning from evil. Job 28, 28, look at it when you get some time. Wisdom comes from fearing God and turning from evil. The, The verse is basically gonna tell us that's where we get wisdom and that's where we get understanding. You know what that tells me? That Christian people, who don't know what to do, perhaps need to quit looking at answers about the specific question and just decide, I'm going to respect God and stay away from sin, and maybe by doing those two things, I'd get smarter about the area for which I'm trying to get an answer. We want God to give us a specific answer answer to our questions, but we don't want to obey him in other areas of our life. And Job is teaching us that you're going to have to just learn how to fear God and to stay away from sin. And all of a sudden you'll find out that your eyes will be more discerning. Here's what I'm telling you. God will give you more information about stuff that you are clueless about if you would obey him in the areas He's already instructed you. Number seven, we are prone to sin when suffering. Let me say that again. We're prone to sin. You know what that means? You better bolster up your spiritual fortitude when you're going through trials because the tendency in trials is to lose your mind. And Job tells us in chapter 42, verse number three, that I was speaking but I was speaking from a perspective of ignorance. Look at me, church. The worst thing you can do is run your mouth when you don't know what you're talking about. Let me say that again. The worst thing you can do is run your mouth. And there are statements that, now we talk about Job. Job was a fearing fearing man when it comes to God. He hated even when he came to God, he stood for God. But Job was not sinless, no such thing except for Jesus. And you say, well, 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 Pastor, I don't believe Job's, you know, messed up. Well, in Job 42, he said, I repent. You don't have to repent if you didn't mess up. Job 42 tells us that Job said, I started speaking. I started speaking when I didn't know. Listen to me, church. You're going to go through some things this year that render you in a state of calamity and adversity. Somebody you love is going to pass away. Some money you had is going to be gone. Some friends that were close are going to forsake you. Some family members that are your blood are not going to identify with you. Some calamity you didn't expect is going to show up at your door. Some pain that you weren't banking on is going to knock on your horizon. Some situations you didn't plan on are going to enter your life. Some circumstances about which you have no files in your portfolio are going to come onto your radar. Be careful, beloved, before spading principles that are not really principles and giving opinions that don't add up when you're suffering because your senses of reason are jaded when you go through trials and it's important to lean on the information of somebody who is not affected in his reasoning by trials because he's bigger than. Listen to him. you're going to have to listen to God when you're going through trials because God is not affected by the trial like you are. Number 8 Sometimes you will never know why. Now, now, this is interesting. Some some of you heard this this series being introduced on Sunday, and you thought, finally, 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 I am finally going to get an answer to this question. And I'm here to tell you that this was the question that Job had, and God never answered it. The whole book, you know, all these chapters. Some of you think it, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. I've been wondering a long time, only generations in my family. I mean, everybody in my family been wondering why good things happen to bad people. Finally, I finally came to a church where a fast pastor finally gave me something that I've been looking for. I'm finally gonna find out why good things happen to God. No, 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 no. You're not gonna find out why good things, why bad things happen to good people. You're not going to get that answer. Job didn't get it either. God is going to answer him in Job 38 through 41, and none of those answers in Job 38 through 41 are or the answer to why bad things happen to good people. God's going to ask him questions like, when I made the earth, were you there? When I created the angels, were you there? When I put the firmament into place, were you there? Did I ever need your help to help me creating because you were not around? Here's what God is going to say to Job. You don't need to know why, you just need to know who. This is what Job is going to teach us. You stop telling God what questions you need answered. And you you start believing the information that God gives you. And when you trust the who, you don't need to know the why. And our demand for the why is a manifestation of our distrust in the who. And when I insist God tell me why, it is to cover up my lack of dependence on the fact he's the who. Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall all likewise. This is what Jesus said. He never commanded in Scripture that kids embrace an adult faith. But he did command in scripture that adults embrace a childlike faith because only a child can step out in the middle of a busy highway with his hand in his parents' hand and not say, did you look at the crosswalk at two years old? Not say, did you make sure no cars were coming? Not say, it looks like, by the way, I judge it at six months old, dad, that that car is going 68.5 miles an hour. No, 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 no. The child just walks across the street because the person who's his daddy or the person who is her mama is trusting up to say, that's just somebody I look up to, and if they going across the street, I'm going with, listen to me, you don't need to know why God let you go broke, you don't know why. need to know why God took your love, you don't need to know why God let you go, to, you don't need to know why that prodigal's gone, you don't need to know why you got fired, you don't need to know why people are talking about you, you just need to know that if Jesus is walking across that street, I trust Jesus, I trust God, and I don't get hit by a car unless God lets me, and if he lets me get hit by a car, he's good enough to raise me right back up again. Number nine. Repentance and forgiveness bring blessings. Here's a verse. Here's a great verse. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Listen to it again. And the Lord Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Watch this now. God broke through on Job's own personal experience when he forgave the people that treated him the worst. Oh, I need a breakthrough. I need a breakthrough, Lord. I need a breakthrough. I just need you to pull me out of blessing. I need something in the mail. I need somebody to care for me. God, I need you to come through and help me on my behalf. And God might be saying, once you get over your bitterness with what's the name, maybe I can give you the breakthrough. Repentance and forgiveness. Bring blessings. And number 10, and I'm finished. God always Vindicates his servant. In other words, he will clear his servant. People will accuse, people will attack. People will malign, people will lie, people will have more opportunities to get their narrative out. They got more microphones, got more connections, got more airway, got more media, got more influence and you will never have the ability to shut down all their foolishness. But in the end, God will prove the right one to be right because that's what he does. So you keep doing right and don't worry about trying to prove yourself right. Because that's not your job. God always vindicates his servant. Why do bad things happen to good people? A lifelong question that Job asked that God in his own way sustained him in having the question. And my prayer for Crossroads Baptist Church and all of those of you that will journey with us through Job is that God will sustain us just like he did his servant. Job. Our Father, we thank you for the help from your word. May you continue to strengthen us, move in our midst, and be for us what only you can be. Thank you for what you're doing in all of us. Teach us more about you and more about ourselves so that, Lord, when things don't make sense, We will learn to trust the God who is always good and always right. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.